we're going to continue in our series uh, called Wisdom. And if you guys were here last week, it's a little bit of a recap for you, but for you guys who weren't, I just want to catch you up to it. Um, what this comes from is, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I just see over and over and over again, I see such bad advice being given to people in situations. They ask about um, life situations and relationships and all these different things, and people always throw their advice on top of that. But so often, I'm like, man, this is just terrible, terrible advice. Um, and I, I hear it being shared all the time. Like I said, you know, you, Facebook and Twitter and all these different things, you kind of see it over and over again, over again regurgitated. And um, that's where I kind of came up with this word, wisdom. And it's these, these things, they sound like they're, they're wise when they're first, they're first stated, but really when you dig down deeper into them, you're like, that's not smart at all. There's, there's so much that's actually wrong with that when you, you put it up against some sort of comparison. And that's what we're, we're kind of doing with this, we, these, these three weeks, last week and then this next week as well too. Is, you know, like Job twelve thirteen, it says this, and this is kind of like a core verse that we're looking at. Um, it says, true wisdom and power are found in God. Counsel and understanding are his. And we realize as Christians that there's this, this source that we know is, is a source of real wisdom. So if we take these things that are, they sound like they're wisdom, and if we put them up in comparison to a, a true source of wisdom, we can see whether or not they're really true or not. We can see if there's something that's, that's foolish inside of them or if they're actually wise. And last week I talked about one that um, probably shocked a lot of people, and it was the statement, follow your heart. And we looked in the fact uh, with the Bible that it actually would, would lend to show the fact that following your heart is, is a dangerous scenario. It's not actually a, a wise move. It's actually quite dangerous. So there are kind of these statements where you're like, at first, you're like, wait a second. No, that's good advice. But then I want to share it with you. And I want you to, to take a step on that, the, the same direction, when I share with you what this week's is. Because I think people will immediately put up a guard. But, but track with me as we go through it and, uh, and as we unpack it, okay? And what I want to share is the second word of, of wisdom that I believe is actually wisdom is this, keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. And, of course, this is probably one of the most advertised and, and used pieces of advice that we see all the time. It, it's a standard um, thought process that's, that's brought about. It, it's all of us who had kids, right, at some time. All of your kids are told this from day one in school. Keep an open mind. Whatever it is, keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. And we're taught this, that this should be our, our, our base reaction to how we interpret things, how we experience things, things that rub against what we believe or what we think. Keep an open mind. And I can understand where this, this piece of advice originated. I can understand um, where it, it comes from. But I want to show you that, that in, in very many cases, this is wisdom. It's not wisdom. Now, as Christians, as, as people who believe in God, I, I don't think that we're meant to be ignorant. I don't think that we're meant to be uh, stupid and, and arrogant in our beliefs. Uh, Proverbs 18.2, it says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And, and trust me, there are um, a ton of Christians that are exactly like that. And they are. They're, they're, they're fools. They're not wise people. And, and they're a lot of times what people really, really can't stand about Christianity. People who they, they don't want to know anything about what someone else believes, only what theirs is, and they shout it at the top of their lungs. But Proverbs eighteen fifteen, right after this, it says, intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. And certainly, I want you to be intelligent. I want you to be intelligent as a person. I want you to be intelligent as a Christian. 
And you'd say, well, but you know, the second one, that sounds like someone who would keep an open mind. But what I want to share with you is, is I believe the Bible points to, and I believe that, that um, the reality is, that there's a difference between keeping open ears and keeping an open mind. That there's, there's a difference between open ears and an open mind. That um, you don't have to have an open mind in order to have open ears. That it's okay, believe it or not, to have a closed mind on some issues. And no one in the world is going to tell you that. No one in the world out there is going to tell you that. That it's okay to have a closed mind on some issues. A narrowed, a focused mind on some issues. Keeping open ears, seeking understanding, that's wisdom. Bible says so. But see, there are things that, that you have already experienced, that you have already considered, that you have already walked through, that you have already made a decision on, which you don't need to keep an open mind on anymore. You don't need to. Let me, let me share like this. The issue of whether or not you should kill somebody. I don't really need to keep an open mind on that one. I've pretty much made a decision in my head, and I think I'm going to stick with it. Maybe the idea of, of whether or not you should cheat on your spouse, on your husband or wife. Maybe this week someone's going to come up to you and say, I'd love to tell you about how great an opportunity it would be to cheat on your spouse. It's okay to have a closed mind on that one. To say, actually, I've made a decision in my head. Um, maybe you've seen somebody who's walked down that path and has destroyed their lives. And, you know, I, I don't actually have to keep an open mind to that thought press. I don't need to go through and decide whether or not that's right for me. I know that that's not right for me. I can have a closed mind on that circumstance. Should I hurt somebody? Should I take advantage of somebody? Some of these things we say, I, I don't need to keep an open mind on these things. I don't have to go through and renegotiate whether or not this is for me. Should I walk into work tomorrow morning and punch my boss in the nose because I don't want to go back to work? Some of you guys have thought through that, haven't you? Thought, what would happen if I just walked in? I quit and walked out, right? But you've decided... That's not for me. I don't need to keep an open mind to that thought process because all it's going to do is make me feel worse when I go into work tomorrow morning, right? There's things you've already made decisions on. You've already considered the options. You've already weighed them and you've made decisions. And sure, you can keep open ears to someone talking about those different things and, and what they're thinking, but you don't need to keep an open mind to it, do you? You don't need to, every time someone says, you know, I really think you should cheat on your wife, and you'd be like, well, let me sit down and weigh the pros and cons. Be like, no, I already know the answer is no. I can have a closed mind on those things. And there's nothing wrong with keeping a closed mind on some issues that we've experienced, that we've, we've walked through, that we've made a decision on in our life before. But this idea of keeping an open mind, what I believe it's, it, it's so prevalent and why it's shared from um, so often is that it's shared as wisdom from people who've never experienced truth, who've never believed in absolutes people who've never experienced a, an outside source than themselves. So this idea of keeping an open mind is as close as wisdom as, as they can grasp, that they don't have any trust in anything that's bigger than themselves, that they have no trust in any other source of knowledge other than their own comprehension and understanding. So certainly keeping an open mind would be the closest that you could get. If there is no other source of knowledge, is no other source of truth, then me being able to mull through and consider these things is going to be a source for me to gain knowledge. But we as Christians, people who have met Jesus, people who are followers of Christ, we've met a true source of wisdom. 
We've engaged with a God that we know has truth inside of him, a God who is fully true and a God who is trustworthy. And after we've done that, then we can use that source as a, a checking point for all of these things. What I mean is, is, is this, okay? Um, there's a story one time where, where Paul decides he's going to go out and he's going to preach to these different areas. And it says in Acts 17, 10 through 11, it says that very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. And when they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. They listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, ah, Cameron, open-minded, open-minded, got you. But you're actually wrong. Because if you take it back to the Greek, this is actually a very poor translation if you compare it to all others. The word that's actually back here in the Greek that's being translated open-minded in NLT is actually a word that means noble-minded. It means somebody with a, a wise mind. It means somebody who thinks things through and is, is, is more wise with how they go through. It's, it's a word that's called yugades. And it does. It basically means someone who's smarter, someone who weighs things. And this is a description of what I think that we're supposed to be like. I think this is a better picture of what I'm sharing here, of open ears but a guarded mind. You see, they had open ears. They were willing to understand. They were willing to listen, to comprehend, just as Proverbs said, is someone who's wise. But in the same sense, they didn't have an open mind that was just free to be filled with whatever garbage was spoken to them. They had a guarded mind, which they had a a checking station that they would compare to to let it in, whether or not it should come into their minds. And this is what I believe we're supposed to be, is is open-eared but guarded-minded. I believe that between our ears and our mind, somewhere right in here, right, between our ears and in our brain, there needs to be a Jesus filter. There needs to be a place in which all new ideas and thoughts and comparisons are run through a screen of, of the Bible and God's word. It's run through a, a filter of wise counsel that we have around us, Christians who are smart, who are around us, that it should be run through a, a screen of the Holy Spirit and knowing God. And that after it goes through that, we compare it to these things and we, we, we match it up with it. And if it's wisdom, if it's things that are wise, then our mind is open and susceptible to, to grasp and learn from it. Otherwise, we can hear it and try to understand it, but we don't let it sink down deep into our mind. And that's what I want to say when, with this. It's not just the idea of understanding something. I mean like deep into your mind because that's how some people are so open-minded that any new idea is put in as truth and, and is, is believed but I don't believe that's how we should be. And what's interesting about this piece of wisdom is that it's often shared in relation to faith. That, that's where I hear it more than, than anything else. It deals with, with, with heavy issues of belief. It deals with heavy issues of, of faith and what we really, really believe in and what we, what we, what we depend on in our lives. And it's often spoke about with faith. Or people will say, well, you know this, this. Well, you just need to keep an open mind. You just need to keep an open mind in regard to these things. But see, we need to compare this to a source of truth, like God's word. We have to compare it to what, what the, the gospel says about this. We need to compare this to what wise biblical people have said about this. And, and as we look through it, we realize keep an open mind is, is not the statement that was shared from great wise leaders like Paul. 
people who started the church and who um, spoke this truth and devoted their lives to it, he didn't say, okay, but just make sure you keep an open mind. Actually, he spoke things about, about guarding and protecting that almost like the mind can be, can be led astray and that we need to keep reins on it, not to just let it run freely through every different thing. Colossians 2, starting in verse 1. This is Paul talking to the church in Colossae. This is the idea. If you ever wondered, you know, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, each of those are cities, and there was a church inside of it. So he's talking to the people of Colossae who are in this church. And this is his letter to them. And in verse 1 through 10, I want to read this. This is the beginning as he's kind of introducing everything he wants to say to them. He says, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's good as we're talking about wisdom, right? In Jesus lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete. You also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. And Paul, when he's talking to these people, people who have just begun their faith, who have just started and, and are continuing on, he says, you know, don't have an open mind to every new idea that comes in, all these people. He says, you've experienced truth. You've met Jesus. And he says, Jesus is the very source of all wisdom and truth, and you've experienced it. So when people start coming and they've, they've thought of these really great, man, well-spoken, thought-out things to share with you and say, well, no, you're wrong because of this and this and this and this. He says, be guarded against it. He says, don't just accept it and believe it right away. And I think this is the case. Open ears, perhaps, yeah, to listen and understand. But a guarded mind to say, is this actually true? And to weigh it and to compare it to a true source of knowledge and wisdom, God. And the same thing happens today. I can tell you, man, I've read things online. You can twist stuff and you can rearrange stuff. I've read just these amazing articles online that someone can take like scripture and they can twist it to be like, see, so it says you should cheat on your wife and you should cheat on your taxes. And it's like, how did you do that? But they can do it because they can sit and they can twist things and they can speak it in a way that sounds so smart. And you're like, yeah, I I guess maybe that makes sense. But see, if we have a filter where we compare it and say, but but does does this match up with everything else that God's word says? Well, no, you know, that, that doesn't match up with this, and that doesn't sync up with this, and that doesn't fit through this. We say, okay, well, then that can't be wisdom. That can't be wisdom because we know that he's the source, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't conflict with each other. In him, in Christ, lies all the wisdom and the fullness of God. This is a great verse for us to remember as Christians. Paul basically says, is if you want more wisdom, all you need to do, all you need to do is study Jesus. You don't need to listen to a bunch of, of 
man, super smart, educated people in this world. You don't need to listen to this. He says the fullness of God's wisdom is, is completely allotted inside of Jesus. And if you can study and learn Jesus, you can gain the knowledge, man, all of these things. I think what's really big about this is, is this idea that, that we've experienced something. We've experienced something, and after we've experienced it, like I said, you know, when I was sharing about keeping a closed mind, you've decided, you've, you've made a decision that you don't need to keep a closed mind, I mean, an open mind to these things. Hebrews 10.23. Paul shares, or, well, actually with Hebrews, they don't know if it's Paul or not. It might be another guy. But the writer shares, and he says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And this, this terminology he uses, hold tightly, it literally means like if you're steering a ship, if you're the guy on the rudder, not to let go and just let it flop either way, to keep a firm grasp on the rudder of the ship, to keep it steered in the right direction. That's what that word means. And he says that's the, the faith that you've been given. So Paul's not saying just keep an open mind, just keep an open mind. He's saying grab firm on what you've gotten told, what you've been, you've been educated and what you've experienced. And don't let people twist it and change it in your mind, you know you've experienced this and you know it's true. And I believe this is how we're supposed to be. After we've met Jesus, that we shouldn't be consumed with every new thought, with every new theory, with every new belief. Because we've experienced the fullness, the fullness of God's wisdom in Christ. And this idea, man, of, of keeping an open mind, I got to tell you, it's nothing new. It's nothing new at all. It's been going on forever, all the way back in Exodus. If you want to turn in your Bibles, if you want to follow along, Exodus 32. Before you put that up, though, I want to give you a backstory. This is a story of Moses. Most of you guys have heard this, but, you know, he, the Israelites were under captivity in Egypt. They were slaves, and God told Moses to go in to bring these people out of captivity. And when he went, God did miraculous, amazing things. I mean, he goes and he tells them to let him go. Pharaoh says no. God sends plague after plague. He sends gnat. He sends f- frogs. He sends blood instead of water. He even sends the Passover where it kills every firstborn son except for those who are, who are marked, uh, that believed in God. I mean, these massive, crazy things that happen. Finally, Pharaoh lets him go. They get out, and Pharaoh comes after them, and they're caught at the Red Sea. And as they pray, God literally splits the Red Sea in half so they can walk through. And as their, their chasers come in after them, the water actually consumes them and takes them. I mean, amazing things. They get out in the desert, and God begins to provide manna from heaven to, to feed them. Every morning when they wake up, just like dew would be set on the ground, it'd be this fine seed, and they'd take it together, and they'd make bread out of it. And every day, God would provide food for them. They got sick of the, the manna after a while, and they complained, and God sent them literally just waves of quail that come in. It said there were quail so much, they were up to their knees in quail, picking them up so that they could eat them. They went on, and they run out of water, and God provided water from a rock at one time, where they needed water, and out of, out of a rock poured water for them, for the entire nation. They defeated a foreign army, even though it was way stronger than them. God showed his presence mightily, invisible, tangible ways on Mount Sinai. He shook an entire mountain and there was flames all around it. And people experienced it and realized, here's the presence of our God. Moses went and he brought back 10 commandments from God that showed them a way to live, a way that would keep their society functioning and working well. Israel committed to follow God. 
And then Moses went back on this mountain to receive information about how the temple would be built, information about how they would live everything. God was doing these miraculous things, man, in the life of the Israelites. Moses went back up on the mountain, and that's where we take the story at Exodus 32. This is what it says. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, well, take the gold rings from your ears of your wives and sons and daughters and and bring them to me. And all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow we will be a festival to the Lord. And the people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. And after this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking. And they indulged in pagan revelry. I mean, these people had just experienced God in some of the most miraculous ways that we could even imagine, right? I mean, if you were sitting there, let's take a second real quick. Just think with me. Let's go back and put ourselves in the places, sitting in camp with Israel, right? And we just saw all these things, God leading us out in miraculous things, the, the water being parted, you know, him saving us from our enemies, providing food daily, all these things. And someone says, well, you know what? We just need a different God now. We, we need a different God because this Moses has taken too long. You think there'd be anything wrong with maybe having just a closed mind? right? Maybe we should have another God. Don't you think you'd be there going, no, no, we don't need another God. Closed mind. I don't need another philosophy. I don't need another theory. I've seen a God who's taken us through these amazing, impossible circumstances. I I don't need a gold calf to worship. I've already experienced a God who's provided for me daily and everything I need. I mean, we wouldn't think it'd be crazy, right, if someone would have stood up at that moment and said, no, closed minds. He's our God. He's the one who we serve, right? But what's craziness is we'd say that, but we think that we should keep an open mind. Even though the reality is, is Romans 5, 8 through 11 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We've experienced far greater than they did. If, if you've met Jesus, you might not have seen a, a lake split, and you might not have seen manna from heaven. But, but Jesus came and died for our sins. He carried away our sins, and he restored a relationship that, that we were supposed to have with God of friendship. I, I, I got to tell you, I've experienced salvation in my life. 
I've experienced the Holy Spirit in my life. And I can tell you, I do not need an open mind in regards to faith. I do not need an open mind. I don't need to know what Buddhism says and what Islam says and what secular humanism says because I have experienced, I have, I have felt and I have engaged with a relationship with Christ and I have seen God do miraculous and mighty things because I have experienced a, a life-giving, friendship-restoring, life-rearranging salvation through Jesus. I don't need to have an open mind anymore. I know because I've experienced it, because I've, I've tasted it, because I've felt it. I've seen him heal marriages that were impossibly broken. I've seen him heal bodies that were sick and hurt. Man, I, I've seen him take people who are at the very end of their lives in hatred for themselves and in fear and almost ready to give up, coming into fullness of life and love and happiness and joy. I've seen forgiveness for people who never thought they could forgive themselves. I've seen changed lives and and complete destruction in people's lives turned over. And I've seen the change in me, which is the biggest thing that you don't maybe understand, but I know why it's real. Because I know how messed up I am. I know how hurtful and hateful I was. I remember how cold my heart was, and I remember how much I hated everybody how I cared for nobody except myself, how I believed in nothing. And I can tell you that I know because I can look at my heart and I can see a transformed, miraculously changed heart, not something that I crafted myself because I would have never even chose or figured out a way to do it, that something reached down into my life and changed me and made me different and made me new. And now experiencing that, I can tell you, I don't need to keep an open mind to another avenue of faith because I have felt, I have tasted, and I have experienced the life-changing blood of Christ. I don't need another way. I know I don't need to have an open mind in the case of faith. I know him. He's changed me. I love him, and I never want to live without him. Have you? Anybody? Yeah? Anybody? Has anybody experienced that and tasted that? We realize I don't need, I I don't need another avenue. I know I have found truth and I have found new life inside of me. If you've experienced it, I'm telling you, you you don't need to keep an open mind in the avenue of faith. Sure, you can keep open ears and you can hear and you can seek to understand. But there's nothing wrong with having a closed mind saying, no, I know. I have found truth. I have experienced the life change. The people with the open minds, though, I can tell you right now, they'll look at us like we're fools. Some of you probably right now think he's a fool. Foolish guy. He doesn't get it. Because to the open-minded faith followers... They believe that they've, they've arrived at a different plane. They believe that, that, that we've closed off because we're not um, willing to explore the possibilities, that we're not smart enough to think past what we've experienced, that we're not um, able to consider another possibility. And they'll talk, and they'll, they'll talk about how we're foolish and obviously how they're smart, and they've arrived at some new plane. But I can tell you that the same picture has been going on, just like I said with the people in Exodus. You're not doing anything new. Isaiah 46, 6 through 7, this is what it says. 
Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a god from it. Then they bow down and they worship it. They carry it on their shoulders and when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. And when someone prays to it, there's no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. It sounds silly, right? I mean, us, you know, in our nowadays lives, we'd say, well, that's just, that's just stupid. You wouldn't take it, you wouldn't carve something out of wood and then bow down in front of it and call it God, right? If you, if you pray to that, it wouldn't even work. But that is exactly what people are doing with open minds and faith. That is exactly what people with open-minded Christianity are doing every single day. They'll say, well, yeah, I believe a little bit of what Christianity has to say, but I don't know if I believe this, and I don't know if I believe this part. And I kind of love what Buddhism has to say on this, and I kind of love what my Muslim friend shared with this, and I think maybe it's, it's kind of a mixture of all these things. If we kind of put them together, it, it seems like it kind of makes sense. But I want to tell you that if you believe a little bit of everything, you believe a whole lot of nothing. If you believe a little bit of everything, you believe a whole lot of nothing. There's contradictions. There's things that don't stand up to each other. And the reality is, is putting together and forming that God is no different. If you can build your God to suit just how you feel, just how you think, just what you believe, and you can create it in your mind, then that is no different than carving a statue out of wood and bowing down before it. It's the exact same thing. You think you can create your God? You can pick together and put together things and say, well, that's what I believe God is. You're just making an idol. And you're bowing down before a false God, offering prayers and beliefs to it. This wisdom is not found from an opening, open mind shuffling together multiple ideas. It's found from discovering a source of truth and tapping into it. There was this guy um, way, way, way back. And uh, his name was Antoine Lavoisier. And in the 19th century, he made this discovery that was called the law of conservation of mass. It's one you learn about when you're in physics and stuff like that. And the law says this, that it implies that mass can neither be created, nor can it be destroyed. Although it may be rearranged in space, or the entities associated, it, associated with it may change in form. And what it's saying is this, is that you can't create something and you can't destroy something. All you can do is exchange it from one thing to another. For instance, if I take something and I set it on fire, I'm not destroying that mass. What I'm doing is rearranging it. The energy goes into the fire and the, the components of the carbon and stuff turn in, they break down and they expand. But I don't change the mass of that object. I simply change in what form it takes. And that us as humans, there is a fixed set of mass and we cannot create mass nor can we destroy mass. We can only exchange mass. And what I want to share with you is this. I believe that the Bible points to a law of conservation of truth. A law of conservation of truth. And that we cannot create truth, nor can we destroy truth. You see, we, we, we can't put together a bunch of things and say, I think this and this and this and this, and now that's truth. You can't create truth. Nor can you destroy truth. The sky being blue, no matter how loud I shout at it, be red, still retains its blue color, does it not? Something being the case, no matter how much I say I don't believe in it, if I stand atop a building and I say I have no faith in gravity and then jump off, gravity still wins. I believe there is a law of conservation of truth that we cannot create nor can we destroy. All we can simply do is discover. 
And for you to sit back and say that I'm going to shuffle together these different ideas and that's truth, I'm saying you're a fool. I'm saying you need to discover. You need to seek out. You need to look into a source of truth. For all of us here, I'd start with Christianity because it's the closest thing next to you, right? And I guarantee you what's going to happen is when you seek out that truth, you're going to experience it. You're going to see life change, and you're going to see things rearrange and change forever, and you're going to realize, although I sought out to, to have an open mind and walk through all these different faiths, you're going to shut down the search after you try Jesus because you realize he's the one true solution. He's the one true answer to these things. As Christ followers, I don't believe we need to live with an open mind, especially in the areas of regards to faith. Instead, I believe that our, our mind is supposed to be offered to God. I believe that Romans 12.2 is a great picture. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that our minds are to be made new. That they're, need, they're to be washed over and basically not the same as the world's. And I believe part of that is that we, we, we narrow. We don't have just an open mind that accepts everything, but maybe we begin to guard it a little bit. And we continue on with this, Philippians 4.8. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, we think about such things. And I think that's part of it, that we begin to direct our mind, and not just that we guard it, but I don't think there's anything wrong with having a focused mind. With not saying my mind is open to every bit of garbage that can come into it, but instead that we focus our mind and say, you know, I'm going I'm to put my mind on, I'm going to set my mind on things like this, things that are lovely and pure and noble. And I believe that it will take us down the right path, that as we do this, as we narrow our mind, that it will lead us towards the right direction. But ultimately, ultimately, I think it comes down to Jesus' words in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. More than anything else, what we're to do with our mind is we are to, with our mind, not just our hearts, with our mind, we are to love God with all of it that we are to think on his goodness, that we are to experience, man, what he's done in our lives and think on those things. And I believe it'll change our mind from the inside out to love the Lord with all of our mind and devote our thoughts to him. We don't need to keep an open mind. We can narrow it down and we can guard it and I believe it'll lead us in the right direction. Open ears, seeking understanding, but guarded minds. And I'm gonna give you this again. No one's going to tell you this. It's okay to have a closed mind on some issues. It's okay. People might look at you like you're dumb, like you're foolish. Because of you experiencing things, it's not wrong to say, I'm happy to hear, I'm happy to understand, but, but I know what I believe. I know what I believe, what I know to be true. I want to pray just for a second to finish. Jesus, I thank you so much um, for today for what you've gifted us with, for the, the truths that you, you keep in your word to lead us. And I pray, Jesus Christ, that you would, you would share with us, Lord, in this truth, the idea that we don't need to keep an open mind to everything, especially us who have seen you do miracles in our lives, that we can, we can narrow our mind and we can guard it, realizing that we know that you are truth, that you are truth. And Jesus, we just thank you so much for that. 
I just want to um, just just share just share this. You guys, all your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Um, if there's anybody who's never experienced Jesus, and you say, you know, that sounds great, but but I don't have a relationship with him. I have no uh, experience with him to know what's right or what's wrong. And, and what what I mean in this is is all these things when people talk about this taking a step of faith. It's not that you have everything figured out, but what it is, is it's opening your life to let Jesus do something in it. That's what I'll describe it as, okay? And if that's you today, and you say, you know what, I would like to let Jesus just into my life. This isn't any prayer to accept him or anything like that, to, to be his follower yet. But if you just say, you know what, I would just like to let Jesus into him. I'd like to tell him, you can do something in my life to show how real you are. If that's you, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand just so God can see it. Say, God, I'm willing for you just to be able to do something. If you want to show yourself real in my life, man, I'm willing to to let you do it. I see a couple of you guys' hands. Yeah. I just want to pray for you guys who raise your hand and just say, Jesus, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit just to do something in their lives. These people would say, God, I'm not 100% sure on who you are yet. I'm not 100% sure whether or not I believe everything. But I offer Lord, that you can do something in my life to show how real you are. I pray, Jesus, that you would send your Holy Spirit to do something real in each of these men's lives, that you would show them how much you care for them, how much you're looking out for them, and you have a plan for them in their life. I pray, God, that you would bless all of us and you would let us all grow in understanding of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Please stop on back next week as we continue to talk about these wise sayings.